Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos comic book club. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is the podcast where I answer the question, what am I reading this week? For the free video version of the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash vmcampos. If you'd like to contribute, for $1 you get access to exclusive content. And if you go up to the $2 range, I will actually mail you an exclusive curated comic book for my collection. I think it's worth it. In this series, I review a comic book, new or old, from my collection for the following five dimensions. On a scale of one to five, the cover art, the interior art, the plot, and the enjoyability of the book. Let's get started. This week, I'm reading Eerie Comics number one from 1947. Actually, I'm reading the 2016 facsimile reprint of Eerie Comics. Now, this this Wednesday new comic book day is in October, the first week of October. So I thought I would start reviewing some horror comic books for this month of October. Why not start the first week of October with the very first horror comic? Eerie number one from 1947, published by Avon Comics. This is credited as the very first horror supernatural comic. What I'm currently reviewing is the uh, reprint edition, the Flashback Replica. Canton Street Press published these reprints in 2015 and 2016, faithful reproductions of the original. If you're interested in classic golden age vintage comics, Reprints are the way to go. This recreates the original size and the art as accurately as possible. So let's check out this book. First of all, the cover. Okay, the uh, the book itself is the original uh, Golden Age size. It's larger than the modern comics of the moment, so it's nice and big and, and classic. Um, the colors are kind of cool, these purple tones. You have this bright red color of the uh, heroine in distress's dress contrasted with the dark green tones of the ghoul coming at her with a blazing moon. Um, I like the cover overall. I'll give it a 4 out of 5. It's just this classic bondage style of pre-code art, meaning before the Comics Code Authority came in and started to regulate, aka censor, comic books. Uh, this featured a uh, bondage cover and uh, some violent material inside. Not as bad as it'll get in the in the early 50s, but uh, we'll get to the inside in a moment. And I like that the font up here, it's like this shivering, eerie uh, text, eerie comics. But anyway, I think it's cool overall. It's a four out of five. Uh, the style of art has definitely changed throughout the decades. Um, this cover is definitely eye-catching, very moody. I like the colors, the dark tones. Early art does have a naivete to it, as we will see inside. Uh, but here, the anatomy and the posing, um, I think, work pretty well. The interior art. Okay, well, there are seven different stories from different creative teams. Uh, interestingly, most of them are not credited because back in the day, you were basically work for hire. You were being um, contracted by these uh, comic book publishers to do your job and uh, don't ask questions. And so most 
uh, stories of the golden age don't have uh, credits attached. So in order for you to know the credits, uh, nowadays you, you have to go to places like comics.org where they painstakingly uh, went back and tried to find out uh, who did what. There's art in here by Joe Kubert, Bob Fujitani, and more. And again, as you go through the actual pages of the book, um, the quality ranges. As I said, there's a sort of naive quality to it. There is a good representation of human anatomy, usually, but sometimes things look a little awkward, some posing. Um, there are, uh, unfortunately, racist depictions of uh, native peoples in one of the stories. That was a Joe Kubert story, uh, so that's unfortunate there. Um, but uh, some scenery looks really nice and sense of place. Uh, I'm going to give this also a 4 out of 5, just because if you're used to modern art nowadays, it looks very amateur. Uh, but it's just fascinating to see the evolution of art throughout the decades. There's a very silly story about some simple little ghosts uh, predating, I guess, Casper the Ghost and such, with very simple art and very colorful uh, page layouts. It's just really interesting that uh, in this ghost story, every single panel is like a different color. Kind of interesting. You don't see that. There's like no uniform or no reason for each panel to be, okay, one's blue, one's green, one's purple, one's red. Um, no big reason for the change. There's even a prose story in here with a little bit of art that I'll get to. But overall, the art ranges, and it's just this classic 1940s style. Nothing incredibly violent, although there is a guy hanging from a rafter, uh, neck broken. Um, there is, the bloodiest part is when a character is uh, thrown in front of a train, and after the result of the, of the train crash, the conductor states... I never seen anybody so mangled to pieces in my life. She ain't a woman anymore. She's a mess. And we think, wow, okay, that's a really great description. But then later on, we actually see her. And she's like kind of covered in blood. And the red blood contrasted with the uh, green overcoat looks pretty great. And uh, uh, a profile of the same thing. Not incredibly gory like we would see in the 50s. Uh, until the comics code reined it in, or in the 60s and 70s once the comics code uh, waned. But there's a hilarious part where the train um, again runs over someone and there's a crunch sound effect plus kind of blood splattering everywhere. Uh, so yeah, interior art, um, I, I'd give it a 4 out of 5. Story-wise, well, this is kind of interesting. Again, there's various authors in these stories. Uh, this is the prototypical twist ending most of the time. Something builds up. There's something uneasy going on. Um, a little bit of uh, foreshadowing here and there, and then like some sort of twist, and then an ending oftentimes. Some of these endings were very abrupt, where like someone says an explanation, and then it's done. Not even a the end sort of thing. I'm kind of used to like uh, Tales from the Crypt and the later uh, Warren publications, which uh, they also had an eerie book in the 60s. Uh, I'm used to those where a narrator appears at the very end with some sort of witty O. Henry-style quip. And, and then the tale is over. So I enjoyed the stories overall. Um, they were interesting as a time capsule about this is what's horror at the time. There's a person that drinks from, um, from a mysterious bottle of liquid that grants him any sort of wish. 
but he will have any wish he likes as long as the bottle never runs out. So you see where that's going, perhaps. Twist endings galore. Um, a bunch of um, fighter pilots are, are trapped in a South Pacific island uh, where, again, the, the native people are depicted very negatively. And um, they eventually run into these giant lizards and are rescued by uh, the women of the tribe. And then that particular story ends really abruptly. Sam and Mike reach to their base. A few days later, a bomber squadron makes short work of the island's strange, bloodthirsty inhabitants. And now the island lies peacefully on the vast Pacific. So basically, after they got back to, uh, to their base, they come back and bomb the whole island into submission. What kind of message is that? The Goofy Ghost story is pretty bad. It's really juvenile. More eerie adventures of Goofy Ghost in the next issue of Eerie, which actually would not be published until 1951. This was published in 1947, uh, and then it wasn't until 1951 that the next issue came out, which was number one again, reprint, and then it went on for a few years. And then in the 60s, there was Eerie Comics from a different publisher, uh, Warren Publications, in a very different vein, much more bloody, violent, and sexy. So the writing's fun overall, it's corny here and there, but you get a sense of people's authentic slang and such throughout the book. There's a lot of gollies going on and great Scott. So it's enjoyable, four out of five. Side note, there's uh, the original ads are also intact in this book. So you get the classic, you know, build muscles type of ad, not the classic Charles Atlas one, but just an alternative. And then there's a free atom bomb shoulder patch with your order. Collect shoulder patches worn in battle by our famous fighting outfits. So um, there, I, I don't, I don't know about this world of patches, and I don't know that there was a real like atom bomb patch. Now this book is from 1947 originally. The U.S. was the only nuclear power between 1945 and 1949, and then Russia was able to develop. Uh, develop its own nuclear weapons in 1949, and then uh, England after that, and then uh, France and uh, China, and then nowadays uh, India, Pakistan, North Korea, Israel. Um, so this is really interesting that this is showing off. Yeah, you can get your own patch from the only nuclear power in the world, the world's policeman, an atom bomb patch. Um, for, of course, the low, low price of 20 assorted patches for $1. What a deal. Speaking of deals, we've also got the Be A Movie Producer Technicolor Comic Scope. It's basically a projector and it looks really cheap, but it's $1.98. That's interesting. And also there's an ad for musical um, instruments. This is kind of hilarious. There's a little cartoon. Lonesome Joe finds the tune to popularity. Basically, he's, he's an outcast until he learns how to play the Clara flute. And now all of his friends, gee, Joe, you can sure play that Clara flute. He's wonderful, terrific, don't stop, Joe. And he's the life of the party for $1.98. Learn to play both instruments in just 15 minutes, triple bargain. So the writing uh, and just the nostalgia of it and the time capsule of it caused the enjoyability of the book to be a five out of five. This is reproduced in the original golden age size, larger than a modern comic. Um, the art is very faithful, nice and bright. The paper quality is way better than it was all of those decades ago. Nice, bright paper. The ads are intact, so you can see what kids were trying to buy back in the day with their allowance, getting five cents at a time, spending weeks and weeks to build up that $1.98. 
and um, art ranges in quality and very swashbuckling stories and such. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, 5 out of 5. The prose story is uh, kind of chilling to a degree. It is about a lawyer visiting a town and uh, the madness of a woman that believes that she, uh, her husband will still come back uh, one day, even though everyone knows that he uh, crashed off a bridge. It was cool to start off the month of October with the first horror-themed comic book, Eerie Comics Number 1, published in 1947 by Avon Comics, reproduction published by Canton Press in 2016. Once again, if you'd like to see the comic in question, head on over to patreon.com vmcampos. You'll be able to watch the video version for free. Or think about contributing to all my endeavors with as little as a dollar a month. This has been the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club, and I'll see you next week.